June being Pride Month, um, it's really a form of idolatry. I mean, spiritually speaking, this is idolatry. This is, um, I'm going to bow down and worship at the altar of, of um, LGBTQ revelry. Okay, I hear over and over the inroads that in the Muslim world, in China, North Korea, even the Lord is really putting his fingers into a lot of places and bringing people out of darkness. Do you really think that he's gonna sit idly by and just do nothing while an entire generation of young people is lost to this LGBT, transgender, whatever. No, that's not going to happen. Who we're really recording this for and reaching out to, yes, Christians, but more importantly, are those who have really been um, disenfranchised and and um, and are recognizing that um, again, this is not what I signed up for. This is this is not this is anything but gay. Uh, frankly, I'm miserable. I'm lonely. I'm empty. I feel like I've I've utterly destroyed my life, and I don't even know if there's any if there's any hope for me in the message. Yes, there is. Well, Jesus talks about the, the fields are full, but the workers are few. Some of the people who are suffering, who are desperate for answers, who try everything that the LGBT lifestyle has to offer, and then some, and they're still feeling empty. They're still starving on the inside. You want to talk about fertile ground for evangelism? I absolutely do believe that Christ is and has been and is getting ready to make a huge inroad into the LGBT community. Regardless of how far we've gone, regardless of how close we are to the end of our lives even, um, the Lord is still extending his grace for those who will take hold of it. Well, hello to Love and Truth Network uh, podcast audiences. Uh, we want to welcome you. Thank you for tuning in to watch or listen to this episode of our podcast. Really excited for you to meet a dear friend of mine and someone who has had their hands in everything uh, over the last several years that Love and Truth Network has been about. Uh, he's the one who edits these podcasts and uh, basically runs uh, the ministry, uh, all the behind the scenes work. This is Jeremiah and uh, really happy to have you here, Jeremiah just to share with our audience about your own story and to have a discussion about this initiative of humility and honor that we're running into for the month of June. Yeah, Gary, thanks for having me. I think this is a fantastic opportunity and I'm thrilled to be here. So yes, absolutely. Well, honestly, there's been a couple of people that we've, uh, I have done interviews with uh, leading up to this for this purpose of discussing uh, the value of humility and honor in contrast to pride uh, for the month of June. And of course, this initiative is going to be something that's evergreen, that's going to be around um, uh, going forward uh, without a doubt. But there's no one that I think is, um, that I'd enjoy more having to kind of kick off uh, this podcast and uh, to uh, initiate uh, the month of June conversation around humility and honor than you. And so uh, without further ado, again, we're just glad that the um, those tuning into this uh, are here. I hope this, uh, we hope that this will be a real blessing to you as you listen in and hear what we have to say about this particular initiative. So, you know, Jeremiah, actually, before we kind of jump into a little bit of the story, um, pieces and parts of your story that I think fit in well to this um, initiative that we're working on, just from more of a... Um, 
not maybe business a little bit. You and I were uh, doing a retreat with one of our other counterparts and kind of unpacking what we're going to be looking at for uh, 2023. And um, we hadn't really hit on this concept of moving into the month of June of humility and honor. But what were some of the but we did have some conversations uh, collectively about this. And what were some of your initial thoughts uh, about humility and honor and the value of doing this for the month of June? Yeah, there was a couple of them. I mean, first off, obviously, you know, having a counter narrative to the cultural narrative right now. But the thing is, you know, we don't want to just be reacting. We don't want to be, well, you know, something's going on in the world. So this is our our response to it. No, I really felt like this when we were kind of sharing and brainstorming, you know, this is you really kind of going into enemy territory in a way, you know, this is you really, okay, we're not just going to try to maintain the lines where they're at. No, we're going to take back some ground for the Lord. So I thought that that was a very important, um, you know, you're picking up your sword and you're going to, you know, fight back in a way, which I thought was huge. Yeah. And, also, and I think, and so when you say that, just to clarify, um, like enemy territory, we're, we're talking about spiritual ground here, right? That we're not absolutely. talking about yeah. uh, enemies in terms of people and those kinds of things, but similar, I mean, really fitting into the, the narrative and the reality that Jesus spoke out that the gates of um, hell will not prevail against the church. Right. And this idea that rather than being on defense all the time, I was just talking to another dear friend in another Zoom earlier today. And one of the comments that he he made was that he's just so tired of Christians being on the defense instead of mm-hmm. on the offense. And, yep. and rather than just what you said, rather than this isn't so much about reacting to something, but rather it's about, no, let's take the initiative. And, and because we know that, um, and I will say this in future podcasts, uh, we know that the pathway, the narrow way that Jesus invites us to the pathway of humility and honor that he invites us to actually is this, um, paradoxical by human reasoning, by by the you know the culture's reasoning. Certainly, it is this paradoxical way that actually produces thriving and joy and gladness in the human heart. Uh, whereas pride and and the celebration of sin, the celebration of um, just everything oriented around self, and that I'm kind of my own I'm my own god, uh, that really produces death and destruction. And so we don't want to be about promoting that. Obviously, we want to be about promoting that which leads to life. And the scriptures are really clear about that. Yes, thank you. Exactly. And that kind of led me to my point, too. You know, it's one thing for you and me at our age to sit here and have a conversation about this. That's wonderful. But for a young person out there, okay, in 2023, Mm -hmm. and, you know, this is being Pride Month. And with all the glitz and the glamour and making it look like it's just, you know, the greatest thing ever. Gary, you and I both know where Mm -hmm. that road really actually ends up. Yeah. You and I both know you know, underneath this, you know, this deceptive veneer that they're trying to pull, you know, trying to put on it. There is a lot of, a lot of deep pain. There is a lot of things happening within that community. The LGBT community is not our enemy. I don't care. You know, the most militant out there activists, that's not our enemy. Our enemy is the enemy of our souls. And I just think Mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, you saying to a young person, there is a different way. Okay. Yeah. A young man, a young woman, whoever, you know, okay, the world, this is what the world's trying to tell you. It is a way that leads to destruction. There is a different way. There is a better way. There's a way of honor. There's a way of humility. There's a way of following the Lord. I think just having that as an alternative, and this isn't just about competing messaging. I'm not even talking yep. about that. I'm talking about a literal, it's an offer to to a younger person that, you know, where they're being led because it's the loudest voice in the room, but that does not have to stay that way. Yeah. So that was a lot of what, when we were talking about it, I just, I just really felt the Lord prompting me, you know, this is not just about, okay, we're going to do some clever counter slogan to pride month. This, this ran a lot more than that. I thought so. 
Yeah. And I, it reminds me too, as you say that Jeremiah, that uh, I was having a conversation. I think, I mean, part of this was a conversation with you, but then there's been others that I've been talking about, uh, talking with this about too, that I just recall when, uh, you know, I was in kind of the height of um, emotional and sexual addiction and really driven by same sex attraction, really driven by the absolute need to be with another man. Um, and, 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 you know, at one time for a number of years, looking for long-term relationship with a man the the reality though that whether it was through pornography or masturbation or through um sexual experiences with other guys there is something that was so emasculating about that. And I, and I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't at the, at the time I couldn't identify that piece of it. I knew that there was shame involved. Um, afterward there was, um, there, there was regret. There was, you know, hoping that a relationship would last and it would fall apart. It was just this kind of revolving door of, you know, one relationship after another that, you know, and they're not even worthy of being called relationships, many of them, most of them, but, um, a few, you know, that were, but not many, but the, but it's in later years in looking back that I can really recognize that um, it was it it was incredibly emasculating. It was it really uh, tore at my masculine soul to have no um, or seemingly no control over how I. Um, connected with another guy that I found attractive or, um, you know, the, it seemed like the only relationships that were meaningful, um, had to be sexual relationships. And yet, um, the, the truth is that I was doing great damage to my soul. And, and also, again, I think there was a way in which I was, um, uh, um, I'm not sure the word to use there, but diminishing, I get, that's the word, uh, diminishing my own um, uh, masculinity by having no authority over myself in a sense. I, I know that's kind of a, that, that might be a difficult, um, I'm not explaining that as well as I would like. It might be a difficult concept to kind of, for people to wrap their brains around. But I think any guy, whether a heterosexual guy who's who's out and, and um, doing one night stands with women or is involved in pornography or any of that, the, the same thing holds true regardless of of who we are, that right. it does um, damage us. Um, Paul says that clearly that there's a there's a uniqueness to sexual sin in First Corinthians six eighteen. But then also that the reality, I believe, that even in our masculinity, like we're not living up to what God intended us to be as men. When all we're about is is pursuing sexual gratification or trying to just meet our even our own emotional needs. Uh, by using others and objectifying others, whether that be uh, a woman that I'm as a man of objectifying and using, or it's um, another guy. So um, <clears throat> the other thing I wanted to, I, I, I don't know, any thoughts about that before I jump to another subject? Yeah, Gary, there's a couple of thoughts on there. It's interesting you brought that up because I had a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. He comes out of a LGBT excuse me, LGBT background after having spent many years there. And he brought up the point, and I hadn't really thought of it this way you before, um, specifically for gay men, you know, when you think about, and I don't want to get graphic or crass here, but when you think about literally the acts that these individuals are partaking in, well, one of those people is putting themselves almost in a feminine position, literally as a man, but you're putting yourself in a female type of role in, in the very acts that you're carrying out there. You know, how, uh, just on a psychological, spiritual, emotional level, how does that not do damage to a person at that point? Mm -hmm. You know, we're just talking their, about their sense of masculinity, their sense of masculinity, their sense as a masculine being. And then, you know, mm -hmm. but indulging in that over and over and over again, you know, that the cumulative effect of that, I think, can be very, very devastating for somebody. And then even broader than that, though, just on a physical level, you know, the the life expectancy for a gay man in the United States is 10 years below the average 
other statistics that we can, you know, that I can show you that will back that up. And things like not even talking about HIV, that's bad enough, but you know, things like colorectal disease, hepatitis. I mean, there's so many bad side effects to being in this that again, my heart is not to condemn people. This is not me wagging my finger at the LGBT mm -hmm. community because I mean, I've struggled with my own same sex attraction and all of that. What I am saying is that the overall cumulative effect on this, when the Bible talks about there's a way that seems right unto men, but that way leads, leads to death, that we are literally seeing that played out in front of our eyes. And, you know, except for God, you and I could have been right there as well. We could have been one of the numbers. Sure. Yeah. And also just to highlight that that's a very good uh, point, Jeremiah. And also I think um, it would be great to, to show even on the screen, some, some stats that kind of support uh, what you just indicated a moment ago, but to go along with that, we also know that um, in the heterosexual population and the so-called free love uh, world that uh, there's all kinds of STDs that have yes. um, developed uh, because of frankly, not doing sex God's way. Right. I mean, if we did sex God's way, it would be, it's this, it's this incredible experience of gluing and bonding together a man and a woman for life within the context and covenant of marriage. That's what God always intended. And so when you take it outside of that and we treat it recreationally, we treat it um, as, as just some you know, the form of, of fun, uh, that we can engage in, uh, with multiple partners, you know, so that we have the, the, um, you know, unique experiences with a variety of people or what have you, we're doing great damage again, not just to our soul, which is, I believe what Paul was talking about in first Corinthians right. six eighteen, but, but also we're doing damage to our bodies through, um, the way that we're exposing them to sexually transmitted diseases, uh, as well. So, uh, and, and, and we're seeing also when, there's not much being said about um, STDs these days, but, uh, you know, some of what I've read is indicating that the antibiotics that we're using um, are, you know, it's, they're kind of strained to the breaking point uh, with regard to um, bringing these things under uh, under control. Um, and so the the STDs are are picking up um, steam and actually becoming stronger. So, uh, again, just just one area uh, that, you know, right. one of many areas where um, doing doing sex in a way that doesn't align with God's values and purposes for us uh, within marriage between one man and one woman is actually doing great damage to us. And, um, and that's to say nothing of the spiritual impact. So having said um, that, we I really believe, and I know you do too, Jeremiah, um, that the reason that we want to offer this initiative and this um, focus on humility and honor uh, and, and, and kind of call out um, the the whole area of pride, not to shame uh, the LGBT community, but rather to, to simply say, look, in, regardless of what we're dealing with, regardless of how we are living our lives, um, pride is not something that is a virtue. I mean, it's quite right. to the contrary. And yet it's being held up as an incredibly virtuous thing. Um, it's being plastered all over the place as a virtuous thing, but it's not virtuous whatsoever. It's not leading people to life. It's leading people to destruction. And so therefore, for us to engage in this conversation, we're doing it out of love and compassion. We're doing it because um, we want people to know that there's an alternative. We want people to know that, um, I mean, for me, you know, it was euphoric coming into my first gay bar and finding, you know, feeling like I finally found my people, you know, right. straight out of the church, straight out of Bible college and, and where I'd wrestled and wrestled for so long internally. And it, it felt euphoric, but it didn't take that long. Um, I mean, it, it, I, I was very much caught up in, in it for several years, but I, you know, it wasn't that long before I began to feel this, this kind of war within and this, um, the sense that, wait a minute, this isn't what it was. This isn't what 
this is what the bill of goods that I thought I was buying, right? This is, um, this is something other than what I was told. This isn't freedom. This actually is, is bondage. And for those that might feel the same way about that, uh, who could possibly hear this message or someone listening or watching this may, may have a loved one who's in a, in that place where they're, they're doubting and they're wondering, um, is there, you know, where is God in all of this? Or is there a God or any of that? Well, we want to put a narrative out there that is really biblically based that offers hope because at the end of the day, it's not about just standing against something. That's frankly, who cares about that in, in many respects. At the end of the day, this is about offering hope and life to people who are caught up in something that is um, doing great damage to them. And the Lord, that's why Jesus came and died for us, right? Regardless of who we are, regardless of how far we've gone, regardless of what mess we find ourselves in. Uh, I, I love the picture of the thief on the cross. I mean, what a gift to us that this right. is included in the right. gospels, that regardless of what this man did and where he was and, and, and literally nailed to the cross next to Jesus, uh, the one is shouting insults and hurling, you know, mocking him and laughing at him along with the crowds. Um, and, and he still dies. Uh, but the other one is saying, wait a minute, why are we even, why are we doing this at him? He, he's done nothing wrong. And, and this man is repentant. Um, and even on the cross, Jesus says to him, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Right. And, and so regardless of how far we've gone, regardless of how close we are to the end of our lives, even, um, the Lord is still extending his grace for those who will take hold of it. Exactly. And I think this is so important to say, um, even to the broader Christian community, you know, I think uh, there could be a tendency from time to time, you know, you see some of these headlines you see or you read about or you see it on a social media post, just some of the, I mean, yes, the absolutely outrageous behavior of some of the more yep. extreme activists. But we cannot assume, I don't believe that, you know, that represents the whole entire That's LGBT right. Yes, those are the loudest voices in the room. There's, they're also a very small minority. Some of the people yeah. that are there are there because it's all they've ever known. There's never been an alternative that's been offered to them. It's They're dying on the inside, but this is literally the only community that they have. So mm -hmm. the, these are the ones that we want to reach out to. These are the ones as Christians, as the body of Christ that, you know, okay, we're not going to camp you in the same category as some of those others. However, we love you as a person. We see you where we're at. I just, you know, what would it be like if we had that kind of an approach to somebody who is in that, I don't know, lifestyle or movement or, you know, to these days, Gary, and I don't, I don't want to go into a different segue, but it's gone, you know, back in the 80s growing up, it was a lifestyle. The 90s, it was a different thing. At this point, it's literally an identity. People have taken on mm -hmm. whether it's gay, lesbian, transgender, non-binary. It's literally become an identity piece at this point. Right. And, and it's really been solidified as identity by the culture um, and by, you know, media and, and, and really every form of what's coming, whether it's uh, popular media, whether it's movies, music, uh, social media, news outlets, I mean, uh, so-called news outlets, you know, all over, we're being bombarded with the assumption uh, that uh, this is an identity issue. And, and literally what we would say is that every human being, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is first and foremost made by their creator in his image. And right. so believer or not believer, um, everybody is born as an image bearer of God. And we, we believe as a ministry that um, according to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that we're not just image bearers, like that God put his image in us as humans, but, all, but rather that God put his image in us as male and female, different aspects of his image of equal value, but different aspects of his image um, within male and female. And so the, um, a lot of what, again, is, is kind of coming against uh, 
uh, or uh, is is rising up in culture is is really an attack on the image of God, an attack on the goodness of God, an attack on on shrouding and veiling the image of God in humanity by obliterating gender, by um, by making it meaningless. And uh, of course, gender has incredible meaning. Our bodies have great meaning. Uh, one day, our bodies are going to be resurrected. Uh, there's a reason that our bodies are resurrected. It's not just that the true person is the soul or the spirit and the body is meaningless. No, the body is going to be resurrected and we're going to have glorified bodies according to scripture. And so this idea that the kind of this very Gnostic view that what I do with my body, how I carve it up, how I live, who I have sex with, what, you know, whatever I do with my body, like that's meaningless, um, that it's just a container that holds the true person. Uh, no, there's something about us that is um, intrinsically spirit, soul, and body. And, uh, and again, our bodies have great meaning, which again is evidenced by the fact that we'll be raised again one day. So, um, but it, the message again is that there are plenty of people that, that are living in the LGBT world, plenty of people that are living simply in the world as, as cisgender, heterosexual, whatever that, um, th that are, very much bent on just living for themselves, living, pursuing their careers, um, pursuing, uh, objectifying others, being objectified, and it just kind of reveling in um, whatever's going to meet their needs right now. They're not even interested in a conversation like this. They think it was a ridiculous conversation. And, and you know, you have a right to your opinion. Um, but who we're really recording this for and reaching out to, yes, Christians, but more importantly, are those who, and I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again, it's those who have really been um, disenfranchised and and um, and are recognizing that um, again, this is not what I signed up for. This is this is not this is anything but gay. Uh, frankly, I'm miserable. I'm lonely. I'm empty. I feel like I've I've utterly destroyed my life, and I don't even know if there's any if there's any hope for me. And the message is yes, there is, and and the hope is Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ, and and he um, he has a pathway for you. He has an answer for you. And so again, this is this is really saying. If you're empty, if you're lonely, if you've tried it all, if you've gone after it all, um, really the rejection of pride, the rejection of all the, the you know, self-gratification is setting that aside, turning your back on that and turning toward Jesus, turning toward humility, humbling ourselves before him um, and, and turning toward uh, the honor of him, of our own bodies, of others. That really, again, is this pathway forward. So I'd love, though, Jeremiah, to... Um, is a way of kind of highlighting this in a way that's unique. I think story is one of the the most incredible things. And when we do our podcast, we always have our uh, interviewees, those who have been willing to to uh, jump in with us and and do an interview, have a discussion. Our interviews are mostly just kind of back and forth discussion. But for those that have done that with us, um, people who have been watching or listening to our podcast know that they always share their stories. And so you could your story is actually one that's going to be posted soon on our um, website site and uh, love that. It's in long form, similar to others that are out there. Um, and and then we'll do a couple of shortened versions too. But there's a piece of your testimony that I'd love for you to unpack that really connects, I think, well with this discussion about um, humility and honor. So love for you to share that with us. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of, it's one of the precious memories, um, several of them that I'm going to have until, you know, from now until forever. So I'd been a, attending a Christian men's group for quite a while um, by this point very, very, very slowly had um, kind of let them in and, and shared some of my, you know, the real story that was going on with me. You know, no, I'm not, in fact, just this Christian guy who's got a little bit of a problem with pornography and I'm 100% heterosexual, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, my fake 
image management that I've been doing at that point. I'd finally come clean about, you know, there was still same sex attraction I was dealing with, a pornography issue. There had been a lot of, you know, a lot more brokenness than just that. So that that was kind of the backdrop, but that took a very long time. And, you know, Gary, at that point, you want to talk about pride. I mean, yeah, hmm. a lot of it was driven by shame and some of it was, you know, there was legitimate stuff there, but for the most part, I had to make a choice, okay, am I, am I gonna choose actual health and do the hard work to get healthy or is it gonna be about looking healthy, you know, mm -hmm. having the image of health? Okay, so I've got this gorgeous wife at home, two beautiful children, we've got the big house at that point, you know, I've got this, this image that I had built up, but I'm dying on the inside. I'm still addicted to porn, I'm still, you know, having to deal with all of these things. So that's kind of where I was at at that point. So I'm reading in my Bible one night and, um, the parable that Jesus talks about where, you know, where there is seed that is scattered and some of it takes, you know, root very deeply and bears good fruit for the kingdom of God, but other kind or others is thrown where the ground is shallow. So it tries to take root, but it's shallow. There's no real root. There's real, no real strength and therefore it never bears fruit. And I don't know why, but that just kind of hit me like an arrow. So, you know, I start, started crying a little bit actually. And I said, you know what, God, that's me. You know, I've always wanted to do well for you. I've always had all these good intentions. I've always wanted to be this, this great Christian for you, but I just have never been able to pull it off. I'm always screwing up. I'm always falling back into my addiction. I obviously have no roots and I'm sorry, this is how I've turned out. That's basically the gist of the conversation. Well, the next morning I get a call, like eight o'clock in the morning, I get a call from one of the men in this group that I go to. And you know, we never check in in the mornings. I worked full time, he worked full time. Um, it was very unusual, but he calls me and he says, you know, um, I don't know why, but I was doing my devotions this morning and I just felt God impressing on me so heavily. I needed to call you and tell you that you have deep roots. Hmm. And I'm sitting there just flabbergasted. I mean, I had not told anybody about this prayer that I prayed, you know, what, nine hours before. I hadn't even mm -hmm. about it yet, but this was very clearly, you know, this was not a coincidence. This was God really trying to get my attention and letting me know that, you know, he's still interested in me. He had not thrown me aside, but also this guy, you know, willing to take the time that to, to call me up and tell me this. And Gary, you know, keep in mind, you know, this was a group of Christian men. These were heterosexual men. They didn't deal with same sex attraction like I did. They had, they'd had some issues with pornography in their lives, but they had not done any of the other crazy stuff. You know, our situations weren't really the same, but they've been very, very good to me, very mm -hmm. honoring to me. And I know that, you know, even in your own story, that hasn't always been the, the response from other Christians when people share this stuff. And I'll be the first one to admit that, but I'm saying in my case, I was blessed to have this. So yep. he calls me, he tells me that, you know, he, the Lord impressed on him, I have deep roots. Obviously, you know, God is using this man as a vessel in my life. Well, a week later, he goes to his church and you and Melissa happened to be guest speakers that day. Hmm. So you had told your testimony. So he calls me up <clears throat> as soon as he gets done. And he's like, dude, I just heard these two people. Um, this is the guy's name. This is the website. You really need to call this person. So I said, okay, oh, sure. Yes, Kevin, I'll definitely do that. <laughs> Hang up the phone, pull up Love and Truth Network. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I hadn't heard of you before this, but yeah, that, you know, hearing your story a little bit and the things that you and Melissa are standing for in the way that you were helping the church, wasn't gonna call you. Had no intention of calling you, wasn't <laughs> gonna happen, you know, because it's like, it was hard enough for me to open up to this group I've been going to by like, for three years at that point, you want me to go and talk to a total stranger, risk bearing my soul, I have no idea how this guy's gonna react, I don't, you know, all these catastrophic things going through my head. And, you know, I can argue about all my reasons, but you get down to it again, it was, I'm still stuck up in my image management. I'm still in that phase of, okay, I'm still willing just to suffer and try to deal with these things as long as I can keep my precious, precious image going mm -hmm. rather than actually, get, you know, talk to somebody and start to get some, some help dealing with these things.
So that's how it was going to go. However, this friend of mine, Kevin, that I'm telling you about, calls me up again to follow up. Hey, have you called Gary yet? Nope. Checks with me again, checks with me again. And, and you know, he wasn't ever rude about it or whatever, but I'm like, you know, he was, <laughs> he was like a laser ring. He was not going to give me rest until I gave you a call. So yeah. I was so brave. I don't call you. I just kind of send this very vague, tiny little paragraph to, to Love and Truth Network through the email. And I'm like, okay, one of their staff members will contact me back and send me a brochure. And that'll be the end of that. But um, at least I can say that I reached out to the ministry. I kept my word. So the next day I get an email back from you yourself offering to get together for coffee. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. What excuse can I use to get out of this? Because I really don't want to talk to this guy. But, you know, I, I really felt that the Lord... Um, the Lord kind of stepped in at that moment. It's like, you know, okay, you, first off, you reached out to him, not vice versa, have the decency to show up and talk to him. If he's willing to take time out of his schedule to sit down with you on such short notice, show up there. But it was, it was a broader, um, but it was a broader question. Was I, and I didn't think of it in these terms at the time, but was, was I willing to humble myself enough to show up to that first meeting but then be willing to stick with it after that and do some of the things and actually start to have authentic healing as imperfect as it might be at the beginning versus just the image of it all the time. And that was a choice that I had to make. And I think, you know, I was kind of at a crossroads, you know, with, I'd had a lot of blessings go into this group. I come a long way in terms of dealing with my addiction in terms of the behaviors. Okay. Not saying I dealt with the heart issues. I wasn't even there, but just the behaviors. Was I willing to take a step towards further health at this point? And I, you know, and I didn't realize at that point just how much of a momentous um, crossroads this was going to this was going to be. So, so then I ended up meeting up with you at at the church, and we had a conversation. And I don't remember most of it. I do remember I was stuttering and stammering and nervous, and not even looking in the eye for most of it. I'd be real interested to hear your uh, your perspective on how that first meeting went. But you know, that was the beginning of this whole incredible journey and adventure that God's had me on since then. But that was at the beginning of it there, you know, because it wasn't. Where it was different with you was, you know, you'd been there, you'd walk that life, mm -hmm. you dealt with a lot of the same kind of things, you know, granted, I'd never officially come out or been in the, you know, a part of the LGBT community per se, because I married young and all of that. However, the early years, the teen years, all of the promiscuity, the, the sexual addiction, the pornography, I mean, you'd already walked down that road and you knew all of that. Which was a good thing because, I mean, I felt like there was a space I could be vulnerable, I could be known. Sometimes it was a double-edged sword because when I'm trying to minimize things or trying to BS you a little bit or trying to avoid certain stuff and you didn't let mm -hmm. me get away with that for a minute. <laughs> I remember that too, but no, that was that was the crossroads where, you know, which eventually led to where we're at now, you know, having the incredible privilege of working for this ministry and all the things that I've learned since then. But that was where it started. Had I said no. Okay. Had I said, you know what, Kevin, I just, mm -hmm. I'm not in a place right now. I'm not going to call this guy. Maybe in six months, I'll think about it. I don't even want to know where that could have ended up at, at, at mm -hmm. best. I would have just been a dry drunk, you know? Okay. So I'm not sexually acting out on the outside, but I'm still just suffering on the inside. And I've just resigned myself. This is as good as it's ever going to get. This is mm -hmm. as good as it's ever going to get. And I better be freaking grateful. I even got this much at worst. I could have fallen back into my addiction and who even knows what kind of ruin that would have led into. So, um, yeah, yeah really glad God led me toward picking the first choice. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, so, so are we, uh, we're so happy just, um, as a ministry is, is my own family. Obviously we, uh, 
love you and value you tremendously. And, and, uh, in many ways you become a part of our family. So, uh, and, 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 but it goes back to what you're just talking about just a second ago, uh, Jeremiah is that, you know, I, I know in my own life, there were so many opportunities that God sent my way that I just rejected that, mm -hmm. that felt like, I don't, I can't see how this is going to lead to, um, uh, to, to something good. I don't know how this is going. This just looks like it's going to be painful. And of course, all I wanted to do is avoid pain. I wanted to cover up the pain. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted excitement and whatever, and, and was just looking for, uh, I didn't want to be bored. I didn't want to be sitting around, you know, waiting on God to do something. And, uh, and so instead, uh, taking matters into my own hands, which is true anytime that we as human beings do this, when we take matters into our own hands, we're literally uh, taking on a persona of being our own God. And that never goes well. You know, I right. mean, one of the right. one of the hallmarks of pride, <clears throat> um, particularly well, pride in general, but in, in this arena that we're talking about, like um, June being Pride Month, um, it's really a form of idolatry. I mean, spiritually speaking, this is idolatry. This is um, I'm going to bow down and worship at the altar of yeah. of um, LGBTQ revelry. Um, and I'm going to and, and ultimately then or right along with that, I keep using the word ultimately, I guess that kind of loses its value when you keep saying it. But the um, the truth is, then I I become my own God. It's really a God of self. It's a God. It's a God of pleasure. It's a God of sensuality. And and uh, and I'm going to not only do those things, but I'm going to now revel and shout and fist bump and join pride parades and carry, um, you know, posters or whatever, declaring how awesome and wonderful all this is. So to me, when I, when I think about that and I look at that and contrast that with the, the way that Jesus invites us to, um, and models, he models for us in such incredible ways as, uh, as coming as the God man coming as, as the one who created all things. And yet he's coming in humility and even allowing his creation to utterly abuse him. And, um, and he models for us what humility looks like. He models for us what honor looks like. And, um, and, and the two couldn't be more contrasting, uh, pride versus honor and humility. And, um, and so again, it's this, it's really a matter of worship. You know, what, um, what am I going to worship at? I'm going to worship at the altar of pride, um, at the, at the altar of self, at the altar of sexual immorality. And of course we know from the scriptures, uh, you know, we see it throughout the old Testament, but also Paul is really addressing this in the new Testament with the Corinthian church for sure. And other places too, Jesus addresses it in, in revelations, uh, uh, revelation two and three as well, when he's really getting after the churches, um, that, you know, the, the kind of the twin sins of immorality, sexual immorality and idolatry over and over again, we see that the nation of Israel, um, uh, fell to all kinds of sin, all kinds of wickedness, all kinds of turning away from God and going after other gods. And it was, um, almost always connected to these, um, these two sins of idolatry, um, and sexual immorality. And, and that's still, that's very true today. So the question in many ways is where am I going to worship? I mean, people don't think about that, but where am I going to worship? Um, am exactly. I going to worship at the feet of Jesus or am I going to worship at the feet of the world and the enemy and the and immediate gratification? You know, in the verse that talks about, you know, they chose to worship the creature rather than the creator. We yes. are literally seeing this in front of our eyes. You know, this is literal worship of the God of sex, the God of whatever. But the, you know, the ironic part about that, Gary, you know, we were talking about the parades and, you know, and, and all of this, the stuff that goes on. 
when you peel back the veneer, you know, and I know there's a lot of bondage that goes on there. You know, this is not about quote unquote freedom and that's how it's packaged. And that's the ironic right. part. You know, it seems so free. They're being who they are. They can celebrate, <clears throat> you know, they can celebrate being, being who they really are, et cetera, et cetera. You peel that back a little bit, the amount of sexual addiction yeah. that's going on there. And this is not theory. This is not me sitting here on my perch and, you know, talking about this stuff. You know, I remember being 17, 18 years old, going into the gay clubs, you know, the, the, the gosh, just the easy availability, you know, because people will sleep with you. There's no, you know, yep. sometimes there's no conversation. There's it's It becomes the most impersonal, mechanical. And in the beginning, yeah, there was a lot of euphoria. You know, there was a lot of, um, and it wasn't even just about just the sexual energy, even though that, that was a big part of it. But for me, it was a way of almost feeling powerful, you know, coming out oh, of a yeah. home where I had no power, coming out of a home where, you know, I'd always felt that I never had any control. I never had any autonomy, you know, there, all the abuse that went on there, going from that into a place where, oh my gosh, you know, through sexuality, I can be powerful. You know, people want me, yes. I can indulge in this and I can indulge in that, or I can do whatever. And, you know, there, there was a real, you know, for a 17, 18, very insecure, very young kid, you know, that, that was a pretty big rush right there for a mm -hmm. while. Fast forward that a little bit. Isn't it amazing, Gary, how tedious it gets after a while? Mm -hmm. Just the same, you know, the same encounters, the same acts over and over and over again. The bodies change, the faces change. It's the same stuff over and over. And again, I'm not trying to get graphic or gross here, but no. I remember one time I'm having a hookup and I'm sitting there just rolling my eyes and kind of staring at my watch. Okay, is this over yet? I'm not, right. I'm not kidding. I remember literally yep. that happened once where it was just like, you know, this is, I spent all this time and chasing after this. I'm not even enjoying this at this point. Right. But what am I doing the next day? Yeah. And, and which is really the definition of bondage. It's interesting that you bring that up. I, I didn't uh, know that uh, you hadn't shared that piece with me before about that experience. And I w am, of course, writing my book, as you well know, and um, getting toward the end of the first part of it being released uh, or not being released, but rather the first um, draft of it being done. Uh, there's more work that needs to be done. Up. But I was um, just a few days ago, I was re writing about, um, I mean, you know, many things, obviously, but this this one memory came up of being with a guy. And uh, like you said, there's no need to get graphic, but um, I remember being so, I just kind of like, why am I even doing this? And it was so meaningless and it was so empty. And yet I'm, I'm going back to it over and over again. But I remember this, this one time with him that I was literally, I remember the street light. There was just a little slit um, in my curtain uh, at, at night and I could see the, uh, the street light outside and just, just enough light kind of peeking through um, um, the between the curtains and I was just kind of staring at that. I was lo just looking at that and just, I mean, that's what I sort of fixed my attention on during this whole thing. And, um, and it was just, as I, as I looked back at that again, it was just this, um, the height of, of this meaningless, empty pursuit of absolutely nothing but right. destruction. And, um, you know, it, it, I was reading um, earlier in Mark chapter uh, seven. I just wanted to spend a little bit of time here. And there's a number of, um, of uh, verses here, but it's where Jesus is talking about the heart of man. He's talking about, he's contrasting how the Pharisees are all about um, not putting something in your body that shouldn't be there. I mean, not, not eating the wrong thing. That's what he's talking about. And uh, because, and, and Jesus says, you know, ultimately in, uh, let's go down to verse 18 of chapter seven of Mark. I'm going to even, I'm not even going to start the beginning of 18, but he picks up this, this statement, whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him 
because it uh, does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. So obviously Jesus is talking about food here. Um, it goes into his stomach and is eliminated. And uh, he goes on to verse 20 and says, um, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts, fornications, or another word for sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And so, you know, we, we read these lists, you know, Paul often in 1 Corinthians 6, and um, there, there's other places in uh, Galatians, other places where you're talking about the deeds of the flesh, um, where we see these these um, examples of what makes up the deeds of the flesh. Examples of, in 1 Corinthians 6, um, uh, 9 through 11, Paul is saying, don't be deceived, you know, um, uh, that evildoers are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what right. these, those who practice these things. And, and so, it, but there's a wide range of things. He's not just talking about homosexuality. He's not just talking about um, adultery and fornication, sex before marriage. He's not only talking about sexual things. He's talking about greed and theft and envy and um, slander. But he also is including in this list, Jesus, pride and foolishness. Um, all, and he goes on in verse 23 and says, all these evil things proceed from within and they defile the man. And so again, the point of us having this, um, this initiative and this theme around uh, humility and honor is not because it's, you know, we're, we're trying to shame those who are embracing pride. Um, but rather shine a light on the reality that this is this is foolishness, that pride is actually, the, the Bible also speaks to the fact that pride goes before a fall. And, and yeah. Paul, when he's, when he's warning us to avoid sexual immorality, he's not being a killjoy. He's not being some prudish um, monk. He's actually trying to prevent those he loves from encountering great destruction. I often use the, uh, when I'm teaching or preaching, the, um, the, the analogy or the image imagery of we're, we're living in a culture now that when someone like me or you or, you know, other, other Christians, um, whether they be pastors or they're kind of everyday folks that just, uh, love and care about, uh, people and they want to see them come into fullness of life. They want to see them come into real meaning and value and purpose in the kingdom of God and in this life. And, um, but we're living in a, in a culture that, uh, let's just think of the analogy of being on a roadway. Uh, I oftentimes think of this roadway, kind of a wooded roadway. And yet we are aware because we've come from the place where the bridge is out. Like you and I have come from the broken bridge. We've come from right. the place where it's destruction. If you keep on going down this road, it is going to lead to destruction. We've come from that place and we've seen what it looks like. And we know that there's a cliff there and there's no bridge that's going to take you to the other side. You're just going to crash and burn. And and we're now whatever, a mile back, you know, down the road and we see uh, people coming and they've got, they're in their convertibles. They're having a party. They're having a grand old time. We live in a culture now that would actually tell us, shut your mouth. Don't say anything to them. S clap as they go by, celebrate, um, throw a parade, you know, as, as people are going by on their way to destruction. And instead, Jesus is calling us to do everything that we can to um, to help them see, to make them aware that no, truly this is going to be a path that leads to death and destruction. Don't continue down this road. There's another road that leads to life. And, um, and yet, uh, again, I feel like we're living in this camp 
cancel culture that is saying, no, you just shut your mouth. You don't, you, you join and not, you shut your mouth, but also on top of that, it's going one step further now that, um, silence is violence and that, um, and, and so not only do you need to shut your mouth, you need to actually celebrate with us. We want you on board with what we're doing as, as a culture that is hell bent on destruction and hell bent on going our own way away from God. And so it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, we're living in interesting times, but the Christians still need to, um, we need to not bow to that, um, the God of the age, uh, into the threats of the age, but we need rather to follow Jesus. Um, I often think about, uh, in Acts, I forget which chapter it's in, maybe it's chapter seven, but where, um, or now I'm thinking maybe it's chapter four, but regardless, it's the story right. of, um, I think it's Peter and John who are going um, into the temple. They're going and, and they, they pass a guy who's been um, lame, you know, from, uh, you know, all this time. And they, they wind up healing him. And, um, and they, they're, they're, um, the authorities take them in and harass them and, and harangue them and cause all kinds of problems for them. They're, they're put in prison overnight. They're brought out the next day. And, um, and ultimately at the end of the day, I love, um, I think it's Peter's response. Maybe it's John's, but I love the response of uh, them, which is, um, when they're warned to keep their mouth shut about Jesus and not say anything else in his name, like, okay, get out of here. We're going to release you. But we're telling you solemnly and sternly, you're not to say anything more in the name of Jesus. And what they say in response is, okay, um, whether it is right in the eyes of man for us to obey God rather than the man, you be the judge. In other words, we are not going to obey what you tell us to do when God has clearly told us to do something else. And so we need to be able as Christians to stand toe to toe with culture, but to do it in a way that is grace filled, that's firm, but also full of love. And, and man, that is the tough thing to do. You know, it's easier to either go along with the world, which is these affirming churches that are, you know, preaching a, a different gospel than the gospel out of the Bible, um, that are, that are really watering down the gospel, that are watering down biblical grace. Uh, it's easier to be that or to just be a Bible thumper who slams the the church door and the doors of our homes in the face of culture, which is not at all what Jesus calls us to do, right. but to be in culture and to live in a way that is integrous. One of the things that's going on in our in our churches is that many churches are saying the right words. Many Christians are saying the right biblical, true words around sex, identity, uh, you know, any number of things. But oftentimes we are living compromised lives as much as the world. And so we've lost, you know, the millennials and younger generations especially despise that and, oh, and yeah. rightly so, right? If the democracy a mile away. Yep. And rightfully yep. so. Yep. Right, absolutely. And so that it really, it's about us, I believe, getting our house in order not just the not just the image of it. So a church can take on an image just like you were talking about, right? This image management yeah. of the church. And talking yeah. out of both sides of my mouth, you know, saying one thing, living another. I mean that yeah, that I was the poster boy for that for a lot of years. Yeah, and I, I was too, in, in so many respects, so many ways. And I what I see now in my eyes have really been opened as I travel around the country and speak at churches all over the place. And, and Melissa, my wife, and I, uh, you know, do that and, and uh, have had the privilege of speaking a lot of uh, different churches. And we realize, wow, I mean, so many churches, the vast majority of churches, uh, you know, because we've been living, I think, largely in the affluence of the American culture and have taken on a lot of Americanism that we have um, um, unwittingly 
uh, linked to our Christianity, uh, prosperity and all that, we, we have just learned to live these double lives and not even recognize in many ways um, how damaging that is and how, um, uh, how it, how it uh, strips us of real spiritual vitality and, and having authority. When I say authority, I don't mean like authority that we demand and we extract, but rather an authority that God gives us, an authority that, um, that speaks truth in a way that really um, pierces the heart, that really uh, helps people, that, that does it in a way that where people really recognize the truth of what we're sharing and how it connects to their life. But when they're living compromised lives, when we're living double lives as Christians, it really robs us of that authenticity. And Gary, we need that because you would, you brought up something a, a minute ago that I, I would like to press into a little bit, if you don't mind. So, okay, first off, the times that we're living in now, okay, I hear over and over the inroads that Jesus is making in the Muslim world, in China, North Korea, even, you know, the Lord is really putting his fingers into a lot of places and bringing people out of darkness. Do you really think that he's going to sit idly by and just do nothing while an entire generation of young people is lost to this LGBT, transgender, whatever? No, that's not going to happen. When we talk about cancel culture, when we talk, and yes, it is real. You know, there's there's people who have lost their businesses. There's people who have lost their jobs. I'm not minimizing for a second the damage right. that people go through when they do draw a line in the stand and, and, and hold firm for the Lord. But here's the beauty of that. These, you know, they're, they're trying to wrestle with their own conscience. Okay. So they've got, you know, the media's on their side, popular entertainment, there's laws going into place. Now they can get married. They can go have a sex change taxpayer funded. In some cases, it doesn't matter, you know, all the things that were supposed to make them happy. They were supposed to make them feel accepted, supposed to make them feel affirmed. They can't get away from their conscience still. Right. They're still not at peace they're still, they're not even in the same universe as that. So, but they've been given all these things. So they're demanding more, they're demanding more, they're demanding more. So yeah, cancer culture is a problem. But a lot of what you're seeing, Gary, if you think about it, is increasing desperation. Mm -hmm. Very much increasing desperation. How much of a, of a you know, Jesus talks about the, the fields are full, but the workers are few. Going yes. into those fields, some of those people, you know, forget the loud activists for just a moment, but some of the people who are suffering, who are desperate for answers, right. who try everything that the LGBT lifestyle has to offer, and then some, and they're still feeling empty. They're still starving on the inside. You want to talk about fertile ground for evangelism? You want to talk about an opportunity to win some souls for the Lord? I absolutely do believe that Christ is and has been and is getting ready to make a huge inroad into the LGBT community and take mm -hmm. back a lot of the ground that's been given. But you're absolutely right, though. We're not going to be strong weapons in the hand of the Lord if we don't have our own house in order. It's not going to happen. So I agree with that as well. So that's why I just think, you know, now more than ever, dude, let's get our own stuff together and get our own consciousness straight before the Lord so that we can go out there and be empowered. And, you know, again, you know, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, is the Lord going to let us just get bulldozed over by cancel culture or some, you know, militant activists out there that can do it? No, not even worried about that. And I forget you, I'm getting a little passionate, but I just see, especially again, in terms of young people, just, oh my gosh, what a what an opportunity for witnessing and evangelizing for the Lord in the gay community of all places, you know? And I, and sometimes we, we speak and I do the same, I do this often. I grew up in the church. And so, you know, I've taken on a lot of the language of the church and sometimes can use Christian ease, Christian language and lingo that just kind of rolls off my tongue. And I'm, and I'm thinking one thing, but other not realizing that it could be taken <clears throat> to mean something else by somebody else. And so one of the things that you just said, and again, people, 
people uh, point this out in my life as well, sometimes when I'm speaking, but the idea that, um, you know, being a weapon in the Lord's hands, it's not about being, the, the, the uh, Paul makes it really clear in 2 Corinthians that, um, that we struggle not against flesh and right. blood, but against principalities right. and against powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we want to be a weapon for sure against spiritual darkness, definitely right. in the Lord's hands. But I love, uh, I remember years ago listening to um, Elizabeth Elliot uh, do a series of teachings. And in this particular um, series, she was talking about being an instrument of peace, um, an instrument like a, like literally an instrument in the Lord's hands uh, to, to bring peace, to bring healing, um, whether the, regardless of what that, the, an, an instrument that's according to the need before mm -hmm. us, right? So the Lord knows what that right. is, but, um, but with people, we don't want to be weapons with people. We want to be an instrument um, of healing, an instrument like a, 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 that a surgeon might use to bring Absolutely. healing to the body, but we want to use to bring healing to the soul, the He's spirit the um, of other people. Free. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. That's right. Exactly. And um, so, well, Jeremiah, it's been um, good just to chat with you a little bit in, uh, in this opening um, theme that we have of humility and honor going into uh, the month of June. I mean, we're in it in the month of June right now as you and I are speaking. And of course, um, uh, the pride uh, symbolism and um, uh, frivolity, whatever, is everywhere. And, and we just want to offer the reality of um, another way that actually leads to peace and fulfillment and life and joy and um, and being a son or daughter of the Most High right. God. You know, that's really what lies before us. And so it's been good talking with you. Thanks for sharing your story, um, That just that small piece of it. Again, your, your uh, longer story is gonna be on our website as well. Mine's on there, my wife's is on there. Um, we have a, a dear friend on there as well um, already. And we have a lot of other um, connections to other ministries and, and testimonies that are out there. So anybody that might wanna check over our website and see the different resources that we're connecting with, we really want to be a ministry that is collaborative with other ministries and churches uh, that we know who are doing um, uh, good, honorable, um, hard-won you know work in the kingdom of God in a way that's integrous and real. Uh, that isn't just you know preaching one thing and then living differently. But we really want to highlight those that um, that God has has lifted up and has given them a gift of of teaching, given them um, maybe uh, a course uh, or multiple courses that can be helpful. So again, you can you can look at our website as not just our website, but in some cases a hub of connection to other books and materials and and websites that are out there that we'd love for you to to delve into and see if those might be a good resource for you as well. So thanks for joining us for this podcast, whether it's been in audio or video, and we would love for you to uh, continue to follow us and join us for the next episode about a week out. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this Love and Truth Network podcast. To listen to or watch future episodes, please check us out at loveandtruthnetwork.com forward slash podcast. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you in a future episode.